Thank you, Ross, very much for the invitation to come and be with you this week. I'm always uh, delighted to be at this wonderful school and uh, surely appreciate the spirit of the, uh, of the administration and also the student body, your concern for the lost. And it uh, does my heart a lot of good to be here. We're also excited, uh, looking forward to the gang that will be at our churches next week. We uh, promise you an exciting time, good food, and uh, just a good time in the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking forward to it. I'm um, always thrilled to, to be involved in any, uh, any endeavor that uh, seeks to win other people to Jesus Christ. People need the Lord, friends. And uh, oftentimes we forget about that. People need the Lord. And although we feel in America that many times we... Uh, uh, the missions is outside of America. We need to just think about the fact that our missions is also here in America. We need to reach our own generation to Jesus Christ. As well as the generations that God is bringing to our land. There are many, many people coming from other parts of the world. That God is bringing them to us. So that we can lead them to Jesus Christ. And so you and I have a great opportunity to lead people to Jesus Christ. Now this morning I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 8. The book of Acts chapter 8 as we... We'll have a meditation this morning from the book of Acts chapter 8. I want to talk this morning on the anatomy of a soul winner. The anatomy of a soul winner. Out of Acts chapter 8 verses, 30, verses 26 through uh, around 40. Acts chapter 8 verses 26 through 40. When you're in a biology class, they give you an assignment to dissect a frog or a cat your brother, somebody, and uh, you want to open him up and find out what he looks like. And you're able to understand what your insides look like as you examine somebody else's insides or some other thing. And uh, many times we think, uh, we think that we uh, might be soul winners when we're really not. Or we want to be a soul winner and we just don't know what it means to be a soul winner. And uh, this morning I want us to, to look at this passage of scripture and, and uh, examine the anatomy of a soul winner. Here's an example of a real soul winner, Philip. Philip leads an Ethiopian to Christ. And as we examine his life, we can have a better understanding of what, uh, what God wants us to do. I believe that, uh, that evangelism and missions are both one and the same. Whether you lead people to Christ uh, next door or lead them to Christ over in Korea, it's all the same. It's soul winning, bringing people to Christ. We just give it a different name. So all of us have a responsibility to missions and to soul winning. Every one of us. It's not just a gift. It's a great commission. It's a command that God has given to us. And every single person in this room has an obligation to be a soul winner. I don't care if you uh, are, are an introvert or an extrovert. You have an obligation to be a soul winner. I don't care if you're melancholy or sanguine. You have an obligation to be a soul winner. I don't care if you have an, an IQ of uh, 180 like Russ or 55 like me. You have an obligation to be a soul winner. It doesn't matter if you're in administration, if you're in, in, in science, or if you're a physical education major, we all have an obligation to be a soul winner. And I want us to examine this man's life and see what does it take to become a soul winner. What is a soul winner? Let's come to verse 26. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go south to the road that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza, that is a desert road, and he arose and went, and behold, there was a, an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship. 
He was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. And when Philip had run up, he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, and as lamb before its shear is silent, so he does not open his mouth. In humiliation his judgment was taken away. Who shall relate his generation? For his life is removed from the earth. And the, Ethiopian, the, the eunuch answered Philip and said, Please tell me, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of someone else? And Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Boy, that's, that's soul winning, friends. Beginning from this scripture, he preached Jesus to him. Now we'll stop right there. A number of things we can see about this man, Philip. And he's just like any other fellow, any other Christian. Just like you and just like me. The people of flesh. They eat their breakfast, they have their lunch, they get dressed, they have the same trials and afflictions. But the man's a soul winner. What's the difference? What's the difference? And I always ask myself, and I ask you today, how many souls have you led to Christ in 1987? How many people have you personally led to Christ in 1987? That's the question. That we have to ask ourselves continuously, how many people have I led to Jesus Christ? That's a great commission. What, what makes a soul winner? We examine these first few verses. And the secret, there is no real secret. It's going to just lays out there. And first of all is this, that the man was, was spirit-filled. This fellow, Philip, was spirit-filled. You know, it's very difficult to be a soul winner when we are steeped in carnality, friends. You know that? When you and I are steeped in carnality, it's very difficult to be a soul winner. And I suppose this is one of the greatest hindrances to our being effective soul winners, is that we are, are many times steeped in carnality. Now, for fundamentalist Christians like, like ourselves here, I mean, it isn't, it isn't drugs, and it isn't, uh, and it isn't smoking pot and drinking uh, Christian Brothers brandy. It isn't that, any of that stuff. But it's something deeper than that. And maybe, maybe your, your secret involvement, your secret involvement in things that are not being. It might be your, uh, your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. It may be your preoccupation with making money or just involvement in the gratification of the flesh. In simply what they call good activities such as sports. And really, and really deep down not being spirit filled. Not letting the spirit of God work in us and lead us. We basically become very carnal and a carnal Christian cannot be of much good to anybody. Not true? To be an effective soul winner, we have to be spirit-filled. Let the Spirit of God be guiding our lives. Because that's where the power comes. Doesn't it say in Acts 1.8, you shall receive what? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Right? East L.A., that's the remotest parts of the earth. You shall receive power that comes after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And I'm not talking about some, some charismatic Pentecostal experience, friends. I'm just talking about the silent yielding, the silent submission, the silent giving over to the, to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, making sure that in our, in our lives there is no, uh, no, no coveted sin that we're holding on to. Letting go of these things and just being submissive to the things of God. That's, that's what it's all about. Now this is why in verse 29, you know it's verse 29. If the Spirit said to Philip, the Spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. I had the hardest time when I first heard about, about soul winning. I mean, I used to be, I used to be placed in some very, you know, very guilt-ridden positions, like some of you this morning. Here it goes again. This guy is going to make me feel guilty one more time. Last time he came here, he made me crawl out of the gymnasium. And I know he's going to do it once again. He's going to tell me to go so winning, and I just against my nature, man. I'm, I just, I'm, I'm afraid to talk to people. I don't know what to say, and I just, I just don't know what to do. And I know he's going to put me, friend. I'm not, I'm not here to do that. I'm just saying to you that if you become spirit-filled, the Spirit of God will tell you to whom to talk to. Here's Philip minding his own business, and he's, he's just living his life. I don't know where he was going, but uh, God said to him, I want you to go from here to there. And he went from here to there. And when he got there, he said, now I want you to go and, and join yourself to this chariot. I'd like you to go hitchhiking. Go, you go hitchhiking. And join yourself to this chariot. See, that's the Spirit of God directing us. And the best thing for us to do is like be like a little boat. You throw your sail up and let the wind take you where it wills. And today, tomorrow, whatever, every morning just throw your sails up and let the wind take you where he wills. And he'll take you to people that need Jesus. You don't need to force the issue, friends. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You need to take the, take the, the wind, the sails of your life and open them up. And make sure, make sure that they aren't full with the holes of carnality. Make sure they're mended. That they can take in the wind. And the Spirit of God will lead you to people that need Jesus Christ. I mean, they're everywhere. This Ethiopian was prepared of God. The Holy Spirit had already prepared his life. And God wanted a, someone to talk to him. And so God moved Philip to talk to the Ethiopian about Jesus Christ. That's the way it's done. There's somebody out there and God wants to take you for you to talk to Him. There's somebody in your life, in your surroundings. You might work, at a, you might work in, a, in a warehouse. You might be in a church, in a neighborhood where someone is being prepared of God. And what you need to do is let the Spirit of God simply lead you. It's not a guilt trip. It's just letting God, the Holy Spirit, move us and take us out and, and connect us to people. Connect us to people. And every morning you're proud to be, Lord, lead me to someone today that needs Jesus. Lord, this morning, lead me to someone that needs Jesus. That is what happened to Philip. Being a spirit-filled believer. You see, when you and I are carnal, man, we are yellow as yellow can be. Am I the only one that gets cowardly about so many, or are there other people in this room? Are there any, is there, there's two of us, is there, is there, there's three, are there four? Do I hear five? Yeah. I mean, that's our problem, isn't it? Is that's our problem? Jesus says, go talk. And we say, no, I'm not. Because we're yellow. But see, when you allow the Spirit, the Bible says, the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a what? As a lion. 
And you cannot be bold, man, when you're in sin. Some of you secretly are doing your petting in your cars. God cannot use you if you're in sin. You're lying and cheating. God's not going to use you, man. You're fooling around. God ain't going to use you. You don't have any quiet time. You don't read your Bible. You're just in the school here to, to, to kill some time. God's not going to use you to do so because you're carnal. But when you get right with God and get on your knees and beg God for holiness and righteousness and let the Spirit of God fill your life, God will going to lead you to souls. You'll begin your notch, your spiritual Bible with different souls that God has brought into your life and you have led to Jesus Christ. And it's our responsibility to get on our knees and say to God on a daily basis, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Forgive my sin and use me. Amen? That's it. The anatomy of a soul winner is that it needs to be spirit-filled. Secondly, he needs to know something about the plan of salvation. I mean, you can't be ignorant. One time Billy Graham went to a city to preach the gospel. Man, he wanted to mail some letters, so he asked this little kid. He says, hey, little fellow, where, uh, where can I find a post office? The little kid said, well, you go down the street here, turn right and go down there and you'll find a post office. Oh, thanks, little fellow. He says, and by the way, uh, why don't you come tonight to the arena and hear me preach? And the guy said, what are you preaching on? He says, uh, I'm going to preach on how to get to heaven. The little fellow said, no, I don't, think I, want, I don't think I want to go there tonight. He says, why not? He says, you can't even find your way to the post office. Listen, to be a soul winner, you've got to know how to take someone to heaven. Isn't that true? You've got to know something about the plan of salvation. And this guy, Philip, knew it. I mean, any passage you could come to, he, he took him from the passage right to Jesus Christ. Many times, we just don't know the plan of salvation. We just know how to, how to lead people to Christ. And I would encourage you to get down any kind of system, the four laws, the, uh, the Roman road, the... Uh, uh, you know, one way to heaven, whatever plan, make your own plan up and, and just have it there. And you know how to lead a person to Jesus Christ. If somebody was dying and said, hey, Joe, tell me how to get to heaven. You should be able to tell them how to get to heaven. If this morning, if this morning you do not know how to lead someone to Jesus Christ. If tonight your best friend was dying and they said to you, hey, Sally, hey, Joe, I'm dying. I'm afraid to go to hell. Could you tell me how to get saved? Could you tell me how to get to heaven? If you don't know how, friend, you had better know before the day is over. And there's a man standing right over there with a big brush mustache on his face there. And he'll tell you how to know how you can get to heaven. You see, you need to know that. You need to know that. And, and you can't be a soul winner if we don't know how to get there. Here's some of you fellows, you know more about the Rams than you know about, uh, about the gospel. Some of you gals know more about the, 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 the fashions and, and who won the Grammys this past week than about the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you lead people to Christ if you don't know the plan of salvation? Isn't that true? You need to know how to, how to, how to lead a person to Jesus Christ. But see, it's not just that. It's also feeling it. Feeling it when you give the gospel of Jesus Christ out. Let me ask you, friends, this morning, is there a heaven? Yes or no? And is there a hell? All right, so when you, when you lay the gospel of Christ, it isn't just going out to tell people the four laws of the Roman road or preach Jesus to them. You've got to feel it in your, in your heart. People need the Lord, we just saying, did we not? People need the Lord. And when you come with the gospel of Christ and you come to someone and you say, Would you like to accept Christ? And they say, No, I don't want to. We can't just walk away. We say, Why not? 
Well, I just don't want to listen. Why not? And that ought to hurt your heart. That ought to be a burden in your soul. That ought to be tears in your eyes. Because someone said no to Jesus. And when they say no to Jesus, they're dying and going to hell. And it isn't like selling vacuum cleaners. It isn't like going out and giving out, giving out Bibles. It isn't like selling some used car, some equipment. Man, it's a matter of life and death. And they need to come to Christ. And knowing the plan of salvation isn't just knowing the scriptures. It's knowing the God behind the scriptures and pleading with these people. I beg you in Christ, they be reconciled to God. And I'd encourage you to weep and to groan. To weep and to groan over lost souls. Friends, if some of you here this morning, you haven't, ever, you haven't wept for a soul since, since you've been saved. You know, we all, we all get hard-hearted. You've got to find some way to soften your heart. In East L.A., there's a little cafe called the Acapulco. Don't go there. Food's not very good. <laughs> not very good. But I, 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 I go there. When my soul gets hard, when I get insensitive to people, which happens to all of us, when I get insensitive to the needs of people, I get my Bible, and I go buy a burrito at the Acapulco, and I sit way in the last chair in the corner. And I just sit there with a cup of coffee and a burrito in my Bible. And I just watch the people come in. I may be there for an hour, two hours. And I just watch them come in. And then I ask myself, God, are they saved? Lord, is this old man, is he saved? This young mother with two kids and a baby, is she saved? These young people coming in, are they saved? God, I don't think they're saved. I can tell them I'm saved. God, do something to me. Stir my soul, God. I'm living my life as if they didn't even exist. And Lord, tell me when I preach the next time to preach to people like this, who need to come to Christ, who need to be saved. God, do something to my heart. Don't just make them words. Make them my begging people to come to Jesus Christ. There are two kinds of students in the school. People that weep for souls and folks that could care less for souls. People who do all kinds of things to bring to our attention the lost of this world. And others, if you pardon the expression, who couldn't give a damn for a soul. In his heart. In the third place, notice this passage, this passage in the third place. Verse 35 is very, very instructive to us. Because you can be spirit-filled and you can have a passion for souls. Verse 35, and it says very simply, and Philip did what? Philip did what? Tell me. Philip did what? See, what you don't want to do right now. Philip did what? I didn't hear what you said. And Philip did what? Okay. Now, now, friends, that is the very reason why people are not getting saved here in Southern California. There was a great big article in the LA Times and the religious section about why Southern California is going to hell. You read it, didn't you? And it said because people, Christians, evangelical, the guy wasn't evangelical, evangelical Christians are not opening their mouths about Jesus Christ. I mean, there's a guy in L.A. that stands on his head to sell you a car. And you know who he is. What's his name? You know about him. 
I mean, he doesn't just open his mouth, he stands on his head. But the problem with us today, evangelical Christians, friends, is we don't even open our mouth to tell people about Jesus Christ. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? We can open our mouth about a whole lot of other stuff. But see, you cannot lead people to Christ unless you open your mouth. And here it says that Philip opened his mouth and preached Jesus to this man. There's no way that you and I can be a soul winner if we don't open our mouth and tell people about Christ. Some people say, well, I'll just, I'll just, I just live my life and people will know that I'm a Christian and they'll come to Jesus Christ. Now you know that's a lie. That's a lie. I believe that I believe in lifestyle evangelism. Just live right, live holy, live pure, and people will come to God. No, they don't. No, they don't. I mean, I don't drink and I don't chew and I don't play rock music in my home. And uh, I mean, I, I am as right. I go to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. My kids don't, uh, don't break bottles. They don't steal hubcaps. They don't go in gangs. They don't wear stockings around their heads. They, they, you know, my kids are right. And we have done everything possible, everything possible to give our neighborhood the greatest testimony about Jesus Christ. We even play gospel music as loud as we can over the radio. When I wash my cars, I put gospel music on. I even have tapes going on, sometimes of sermons. And I tell you, not a one, not a one has ever come to my door and said, Hey, sir, I, I want to receive your Jesus. Not a one. So don't sit there and tell me that you can live your life the way you want to live it and folks will come to Jesus Christ. No, you won't. You've got to open your big fat mouth and tell people about Jesus. Amen or not? Well, open your mouth and tell me then. Amen or not? That's what I'm talking about. Yes or no? See, uh, Montoya, I don't like the way you come across sometimes. <laughs> Either. I mean, I don't like what I'm saying either. I don't like the stuff that I'm saying either. But I'll sit in your place, I think I'll walk out. But it's the truth, isn't it? Sometimes uh, I'll have a chance to lead a soul to Christ, and Christ will say to me, talk to that person, and I don't. And when it's all said, I'll say, you big lousy coward. You half in, half out, yellow-bellied preacher. You big so-called preacher and speaker, soul winning, you didn't even open your mouth to tell the person about Jesus Christ. Boy, does that struck you, strike you right there. Hmm? You gotta open your mouth. You gotta start talking to people. We have folks in East LA, they ride the RDT just to talk to people about Jesus. They go sit in the bus and just sit there, you know, just to start a conversation. Hi, where are you going? Where are you going? I just, I just ride the bus. I just ride the bus. Could I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah. Say, if, if you were to die right now, this bus crashed and you were to die right now, would you go to heaven? That's opening your mouth, isn't it? That's opening your mouth. I sat next to some Christians that I have to drag words out of them. Hey, what's your name? Jim. Jim what? Smith. Uh, Jim, where do you live? South. South what? South Pasadena. Where are you going? Home. Where's home? See, and it's a Christian. 
Am I talking about some of you? You're saying, man, don't bother me. Don't bother me. I'm too busy. Don't bother me. I don't feel like talking to you. Hey, child of God, you can't, you can't afford to have that attitude. You cannot afford to have that attitude with strangers. Because that stranger may be saying to you, listen, I've been reading this passage of Isaiah. Could you explain this thing to me, Isaiah, here? I've been in this thing about some sheep and some lamb and some slaughterhouse. Could you explain to me this thing here? But if you sit there with your mouth shut, minding your own business and not God's business, you will never lead a person to Jesus Christ. Right or not? I say you loosen, loosen that tongue and have some introductory words. And by the way, make some time, make some time to meet, to talk to, talk to folks about Jesus Christ. The problem with evangelical Christians, they were so tied up doing good things, we have no time to do the best thing, which is to do so when you're for Jesus Christ. Reserve a night, reserve some hours during the Saturday to lead people to Christ, to go talk to them about Jesus Christ. Reserve some time in your, in your life to go and just take some kid out to lunch and, and, and get a conversation going to lead him to Jesus Christ. You need to open your mouth and preach what? Preach Jesus. You need to open your mouth to preach Jesus. And by the way, sometimes uh, you can't be too nice. Oftentimes you try to pussyfoot around with the gospel. You ever notice that? I'm trying to pussyfoot around. Well, I don't want to... I don't want to offend somebody. You know, I don't want to turn people off. I don't want to... I don't... Shut up, coward. You know why you don't want to. That's cowardness of the words. I mean, you tell them. You tell them. The way I preach to you, the way I talk about Christ. And you know, folks aren't offended with that. I had a little... I had a small sister. And one day she was walking on this bridge. And there was water. There was a, a, a canal going underneath. And she, there was water. And she was walking on this bridge. You know, fooling around. She was about six years old. Going back and forth. Back and forth. My brother's sitting on the, on, the, on, the, on the floor here. And he got up and knocked her in. Poof, right into the water. She went right down. And by God's grace, she popped right up like a cork. She could have gone right underneath. And she would have been gone dead. Well, my brother got up. Little guy, he didn't know. He looked down and he saw her. And she had this long, stringy hair. Grabbed her by the hair. And janked her right up. And held her there. I mean, she was just like absolute. Hanging between nowhere. And just hanging there. And we pulled her up by the, by the, by the hair. Jammed her right up and stood her out. You know, she didn't say, Hey, you hurt my head. <laughs> she didn't say, You hurt my head. Man, she was so happy. Whoop, was she happy. And she didn't drown. When you tell, talk to folks about Jesus Christ and you go eyeball to eyeball, man, nose to nose, birthmark to birthmark, they don't get offended. They don't. Problem is we don't open our mouth because we're afraid to offend people. Don't be afraid to offend people. You can't offend them. They offend themselves. You can't offend people. They offend themselves. The gospel offends them, not you. Let the gospel offend them. Yes or no? And open your mouth. I don't like you shoving that stuff down my throat. Well, that's too bad, friend. But when, when you get to hell, when you get to hell, you might say, I'll try. And when you, if you get to heaven, I'll apologize in heaven because I shoved it down your throat. But you got to get saved. And that's an urgency. Don't be afraid of offending people. Love them and preach to them. Open your mouth and talk. There are people today that you just need to go talk to them about Jesus Christ. And say to them that kind of thing. A soul winner opens his mouth. 
A soul winner also does something else. A soul winner is concerned for the, the growth of the disciple. Here we find uh, in, uh, in verse 36, as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? True Baptist here, by the way. And, and, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water. And Philip, as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. He baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. And the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing, rejoicing. And Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Listen, our concern is not just to make decisions. Our concern is to make disciples. Did you get that? Our concern as a soul winner is not just to make decisions. Our concern is to make disciples. Our job doesn't end with them just, let's bow in prayer. That doesn't end there. It ends with them being baptized and then being involved in some local church. Take them all the way. Don't just make decisions. Let's you and I make disciples. Get them into the church reproducing. Get them into the church right away reproducing. And by the way, you can't ever be too young as a Christian to start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, the fresher they are, the newer they are, the better they are at soul winning if you just equip them right away. We'll get them hot off the grill. Hot off the grill. Uh, just like a fresh tortilla, hot off the grill, that's the best kind. And you want to get a, a new Christian, right, fresh, hot off the grill, man. Get him out soul winning. And he'll lead more people to Christ because of his excitement for Jesus Christ. He'll bring him in by the droves. He'll line him up in church. I see him coming with a van, sometimes 20 people at one time, off the street, for me to preach Christ to them. Hey, see, you want to get him into the church and get him disciple. Don't just notch him in your Bible and say, well, I led five souls to Christ. Where are the five souls? Well, I don't know, someplace out there, Jesus. No, 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 no. You get him baptized. You make sure they go to church. You go all the way with them. That's important. A real soul winner does that. And in the fifth place, in the fifth place, verse 40. Boy, it's so interesting. Verse 40. And Philip, when he got through with this guy, Ethiopian, he found himself in Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept on preaching the gospel. You see, a soul winner is a soul winner for life. Not just during missions week. Does that make sense to you? If we are a soul winner. You're a soul winner for life. See, I was a jogger when I was in college. I wasn't ever a good jogger. But as a jogger, I'm a jogger for life. I have to jog. If I don't jog, I think I'm dying. And I said, and when you're a soul winner, you become a soul winner for life. Not just one week out of the, out of the year or three semesters out of your life. But it becomes your lifestyle. And Philip was this kind of a man. The Bible says, the leech has two names. Give, give. A soul winner has two names too. More, more. He wants more souls. More souls. And we ought not be satisfied until every single unbeliever is brought to Jesus Christ. We ought to be satisfied until every single person becomes a child of God. Listen, we backslide. I backslide too. Because I think that because I've led a hundred souls to Christ last year, that this year I can take a break. Or because of, I've got a new position now, a new position, new responsibility, I can take a break. The other day some lady came in to sell me some stuff. Came to the church to sell me some stuff. And she sat there, she was all dressed up, and came and gave me this great big spiel. 
And I sat in my office, and she sat there, and she spent about 30 minutes with me. And then I said, well, I'll think about it. I'll think about this information. Thank you very much. And then she walked away. And she, I said, goodbye. I'll let you know. And she walked out, left the church, and went on her way. I said to myself, Montoya, you're nothing but a backslider. You are nothing but a backslider. There was a time when any person came into your office, you'd lock the doors. Man, you would lock the doors and you'd sit that person down and they would not leave until they had heard about the Lord Jesus Christ and until they either had said, yes, I don't want him, or no, leave me alone. And here you are. You let this person out of your office and you didn't even tell that, that, that young lady about Jesus Christ. You, sir, are a backslider. When I had to sit in that office and confess my sin to God, that I was a backslider. Could be your professor in the school. And you think that just because you're a professor in the school that you're exempt from soul winning and you're wrong. It could be that you're an administrator in the school, and because you administrate the great master's college, you're exempt from soul winning, you're wrong. It could be that you're a PE major, and think that because you're a PE major, not a Bible major, you're exempt from soul winning, and you're wrong. If you have people come into your life, and you have a chance to talk to them about Jesus Christ, and you don't, you are backslidden. Because once a soul winner, always a soul winner. In season and out of season. When it rains and when it snows. When it shines and when it doesn't shine, when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, we ought to be concerned for Jesus, for souls, for Jesus Christ. Listen, I want you all to be a soul winner. And I don't want you to get on a big guilt trip and walk out of this place or crawl out of this place. I want you to say, Lord, here's my life. I want to lift my sails up to you, Lord, and have you fill my sails and you take me to people that need me. The way you took Philip. And Lord, you give me the opportunity to open my mouth to talk about Jesus Christ, and He will. And if all of us were doing that consciously, we would be bringing people to Christ every week. Someone someplace would be leading someone to Jesus Christ. We have a great commission. And today I'd want to challenge you to get back to Solomon. Get back to being but Philip, a person that brings souls to Jesus Christ. Could I have you just bow in prayer this morning with me as we close?